We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. From the Clark Ford Studio in Oxford, Mississippi, MBW Digital proudly presents the Oxford Exxon Podcast. I'd say thanks for tuning in, but why am I going to give you a round of applause for something you're supposed to do, to be frank? And now, here are your hosts, Chase Parm. And broadcast school has really paid off. And Neil McCready. I deserve to be on TV. Welcome to another edition of Hand Raised Guys, presented by Comer Heating and Air, Southern Air Conditioning and Heating. I'm Neil McCready. Today on the show, I'm joined by Matthew Stevens of IlliniGuys.com. We'll talk about the scandal at Northwestern and preview the upcoming season in the Big Ten. But first, let me tell you about Comer and Southern. They've got different names, but they offer the same people, the same products, the same great services. If you live in Oxford, Batesville, Tupelo, or the surrounding area, call Comer, 662-801-1777. If you live in Hernando, Memphis, or the surrounding area, call Southern, 662-429-4429. This will be the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast, uh, Oxford Exxon Highway 6 West in Oxford. Great place for you when you're coming in or out of town to stop Fill up your vehicle. Also, fill up yourself. Great snacks, ribs, everything there in the uh, Oxford Exxon. Always clean, always friendly. They'll take great care of you. Plate lunches throughout the week. Uh, Blue sky throughout the state of Mississippi. If you're in Clinton, Brookhaven, stop in and get those fresh donuts each and every day at Blue Sky and the Oxford Exxon. I'm coming to you from the Clark Ford Studio. 662-257-1900 is the number. Call it. Ask for Corey Clark. Tell Corey what Ford product you're looking for. He'll send you a quote within 15 minutes in business hours. It's right to the bottom line. No hassle. No haggle. Get your quote. And the rest is completely up to you. You can shop that quote around or you can do what I've done. What I recommend that you do. And that's hop into a Clark Ford today. 662-257-1900. Matthew Stevens and all other guests join on the MyPerfectFranchise.net hotline. If you're a displaced corporate executive wanting to put your career in your own hands, maybe you're an experienced entrepreneur simply looking to diversify. Either way, Andy Ludicky can help. He owns multiple franchises and businesses. He uses his expertise to help others find their American dream through a very thorough and free consultation process. So call Andy. Put your life and your career in your own hands. It's 100% free. You've got nothing to lose. Find your perfect franchise at MyPerfectFranchise.net or contact Andy anytime at Andy at MyPerfectFranchise.net. Or at 404-973-9901. Our next partner is Athletic Greens. I take AG1 by Athletic Greens literally every day. I gave AG1 a try because I wanted better gut health, sustained energy, immune system support, and I just hate taking pills. I take AG1 every afternoon, every morning, I should say, every morning, first thing, 
It's uh, a good way for me to cover my nutritional basis. Covering my nutritional basis for the day couldn't be any easier, which is why I trust Athletic Greens. I just mix one small scoop of AG1 with water and drink it first thing each morning. Done. I also like that it costs less than $3 a day. It's pretty good if you ask me. It's a really effective daily habit with the highest quality sourced ingredients. It's a win-win. If a comprehensive solution is what you are looking for, what you need for your supplement routine, then Athletic Greens is giving you a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash mpw. That's athleticgreens.com slash mpw. Check it out. So here's Matthew Stevens on the myperfectfranchise.net hotline. Matthew Stevens covers Illinois, the fighting Illini for IlliniGuys.com. It's a, a mouthful, IlliniGuys.com. Uh, Matthew, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Not a problem, Neil. Good to see you. All right, we'll get to Illinois and the Big Ten in a minute. Obviously, the big story in college football today, and it's in the league you cover, the Big Ten is, is Northwestern. Um, Pat Fitzgerald out after 17, 18 seasons at, at Northwestern. I mean, he... Frankly, if you did word association over the last decade or so and you said Northwestern football, the first thing you'd say is Pat Fitzgerald. He's kind of been the face of the of, of that program, one of the um, one of the stalwarts of the Big Ten. Did a uh, for a long time had Northwestern really punching above its weight. Uh, they struggled the last couple of seasons, and then uh, the the scandal comes out over the weekend. It's going to be suspended for two weeks, and then the president of the university backtracked on that fires him um pat fitzgerald has indicated that he is going to sue uh there's other headlines coming out there's a lot of there's a lot of journalism topics here there's a lot of other topics here but from a a guy who covers the big 10 what has been your reaction to what's happened at northwestern I've had to wrap my head around over the last 48 72 hours neil going all the way back to friday when it when they did the news dump on the Friday, late Friday afternoon, like they thought that this was 1985 um, and newspapers still existed um, and going all the way back to that. And then to where we are, maybe yesterday I wrote a column about Pat Fitzgerald's statement to ESPN. Um, I've had to wrap my head around the idea that, okay, when when it when it all came out initially on from that Friday late afternoon early evening, this doesn't sound like fits. That was my first reaction of like this just doesn't sound like fits. This doesn't sound like culture. You can go back and I I, I encourage everybody to just Google what Fitz has said nine years ago about hazing, like in in a in a PSA that 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 a coaching association asked him to do. Um, not only does it not sound like him, it sounds like the complete opposite. It sounds like somebody who's leading a double life, you know, and publicly and privately. And in the last 48 to 72 hours, Neil, I've had to basically go, okay, um, this guy was leading a double life. Nobody at Northwestern has ever claimed this didn't happen. So if it happened, and and I, I was trying to figure out a way for Fitz to kind of stay, because quite frankly, if you're a private school, and you're Northwestern, and you don't want to fire Pat Fitzgerald, um, you don't really have to, and and huh. you find a way not to. I, I Neil, I go back to 
Um, there's a private school in South Bend, Indiana called Notre Dame where Brian Kelly put a kid up in a scissors truck and the kid died. And they told Brian Kelly, don't put that kid up in that scissors truck in difficult conditions. And he's found liable for the kid's death. He got to continue to be the football coach at Notre Dame. And he's now the head coach at LSU. Um, that's life and death. And that private school did nothing. I, I kind of had to wrap my head around, okay, now we're firing fits. Why are we firing fits? And I really think it had to do with the fact that the only thing that Fitz kept pounding the table at is I didn't know. And I'm like, no, that's not good enough. I mean, that, I, I, that I'm sitting the there. As, that begs the question. If, if you take him at his word that he didn't know, the next obvious question is, well, should you have known? Yes. I and mean, I think the answer to my, in my imagination my imagination, in my head, the answer is yes. And apparently for Michael Schill, the answer was yeah. And the other, and when I, it's, it's, it's come out now. And again, you're trying to, you're trying to, I guess, defend and obtain as much of that $50 million that's left on that contract that he signed after they made the big 10 championship game in 2020. Um, And he's trying to obtain as much of that money as he can, but the statement to ESPN to me was, Hey, we had an agreement on Friday and now you've gone back on that. What what the hell? And I'm sitting there and I'm going What what what, what changed in between Friday and, and Monday though? That's see, and that's I I, I understand that argument. And I'm, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm it's not even really it's it's not really an argument. I'm 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 what what I'm kind of curious about, and, and there's okay. two there's two things that have happened. I'm not because look, I don't, I don't cover Northwestern. I don't cover sure. the Big Ten. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't. I've never met Pat Fitzgerald. I don't really. Know, I only know what I have seen of him, and and images can can be, mm-hmm. you know, far different than what reality is, and and it can be positive or negative. There's lots of people that I right. I've thought I wouldn't like, and it turns out I really liked him, and vice versa. So I don't know anything about Pat Fitzgerald. I can't put any. I can't say whether the hazing did or did not occur occur i i have to take him at his word when he says he didn't know i I can't prove that he didn't know Mm -hmm. Uh, we can have a debate about whether he should have known and i'm with you i'm like well if that if that was happening inside your program over the course of years you absolutely should have known sure um now that said i can i feel like i can be critical of the president here of the university because they had an internal investigation they reached an agreement. Hey, we're going to suspend you for two weeks without pay. We're going to have to release this on Friday. And the 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 backlash from that, and then the the student story. I have, I don't really have issues with the first student story. There's a couple of the stories subsequently that bother me because we'll get into that in a minute. Mm-hmm. But but the whole. I do think it's fair to ask Northwestern at this point, not Pat Fitzgerald, Northwestern, what changed between your Friday press release that you know was planned for days Mm -hmm. and Monday, right? Just the public backlash or did you learn something new? Well, also I'll go to option C, Neil, which is, um, we talk about this a lot on on, via text, Neil, um, breaking the fourth wall. I think this is a situation where a lot of things or both things can be true here. Okay. I I think Michael Schill is basically saying, Hey, on Friday, I messed this up. I'll own that. My bad. 
we shouldn't have done what we a lot of what we did on Friday. If I had to do it over again, I wouldn't have done it that way. And that's why on Monday, we've now made the decision that we made. I messed this up on Friday. Can't take it back, but I can try to make it more correct than what we did on Friday. Okay. That's the first thing. And the reason I say that is because nothing happened from Friday to Monday that right. says, okay, now we have new information, right? Okay, right. Other than I think Friday it became – the they were delivered the the internal investigation that started in November on Friday, and they basically said, okay, we have multiple accu- allegations here. The internal investigation, which was done by a law firm – that has no connections to Northwestern. I've, I've, I've checked out Maggie Hickey. Not only was she a former district attorney in the state of Illinois, but she has no connections to Northwestern. She didn't go there. She didn't get her JD there, all of it. She went to Loyola. Um, so they did a really good job of trying to find somebody as independent as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, she basically concluded, hey, we can't prove that Fitz knew, but we can conclude that it happened. Like a lot of, like we have enough evidence here to suggest that it happened. Okay. And not only did it happen, but it happened over a numerous amount of years. And so I think Northwestern tried to do the whole, essentially what Notre Dame did again with Brian Kelly and he put the kid up in the scissors truck. He's like, well, we're going to suspend Fitz. We're going to put him in sensitivity training. We're, we're going to do all of this stuff. Um, and by the time toe hits leather, you're going to forget about this. Don't, right. don't, that was the, that was the theory I think that the university had on Friday. I know this because the athletic director, Derek Gregg, was on vacation and had, did not come back from vacation when the report came to them. He hasn't he didn't come back from vacation until Monday. <laughs> um, so, um, again, we can talk about that and how everybody who has been newly hired at Northwestern, uh, the, the athletic director is less than two years in. The president is less than a year in. This Michael Schill is less than a year in. Everybody's handled this poorly. We can agree that to that, yeah. but just because you handled something poorly does not mean also that Fitz doesn't is isn't liable for uh you know termination for cause. That's where I that's where I've now wrapped my head around the idea of you can handle this from a PR standpoint and maybe even from a legal standpoint poorly. That does not mean that if and and, and the reason I've come to that conclusion, Neil, is because nobody at Northwestern is claiming this didn't happen. Right. That's the interesting thing is at no point is anybody saying a couple of times people are like, oh, it's been exaggerated. Okay. Well, exaggerated doesn't mean it didn't happen. Mm -hmm. Like, were you making guys crawl around in the locker room naked? Were you, were you doing the naked slingshot thing? Were you doing the quarterback center naked thing? And what is this obsession with the nudity? It's weird. And, and very weird. So at some point, at some point you go into, okay, well, again, did Pat Fitzgerald know? He says he didn't. The report that was done by Maggie Hickey couldn't lock down that he did. So, mm-hmm. but he should have. It's his program. Should have. And, and the other thing Neil, that I think that changed from Friday to Monday, or at least from Friday to the weekend, was when you came out with that two week suspension. I think a lot of the people who were interviewed for, in this internal investigation and the people who made the initial complaints to the, uh, um, I don't know, HR or compliance people at Northwestern that started this investigation. They saw the two week suspension and went, uh, uh, like I went through this and you're going to give Pat Fitzgerald unpaid vacation for two weeks. No, sorry. 
um, started dialing their phone to the Adam Rittenbergs of the world and went, okay, if you're not going to, if you're not going to release the full report of what happened here, which they didn't, they released like a page and a half summary of what the conclusion was in the report. Yeah. I'm going to call Adam. I'm going to call the Adam Rittenbergs of the world and go tell them exactly what I told the investigator. Like, and, and I'm going to let you, I'm going to let public opinion now figure out how you want to handle this. Because if you're just going to give Pat Fitzgerald unpaid vacation for two weeks, no, I'm sorry. Like, that's not what yeah. I went through here. And, and that also happened here. And, and then when that happens, Neil, you, they, they interviewed over 50 people that have apparently gone, Look, I can't verify fully, but like I can tell you we had hazing. <laughs> and so when the president comes out on Monday and says, I've already talked to 11 people who were victimized on this. And it started out as a one person complaint, which, right. by the way, all of the barstool bros and all the people who the Darren Ravels and the Danny Cannells who want to defend fits to the hill and go, well, this is just one person that has an agenda against Pat Fitzgerald. Uh-uh. They made it very clear on Monday when they fired him for cause. We now have 11 people that have come out and said, not only did this happen to me, but I was, if it didn't happen to me, I was, I was a witness to it happening to somebody else. And, and that number is going to continue to grow. Um, because the work, work again, like you said, Fitz has been here since Fitz has been at Northwestern since I was 10 years old as a player and then took over at, you know, at 31 years old. He's now 48 as the head coach. Um, if this is a culture thing that has been going on at Northwestern since Fitz has been a player, you're going to have people coming out of the woodward on, on this. So yeah. my point being, I do think, I don't think it was necessarily public pressure. I think it was the way that Northwestern handled this on Friday had a lot of people who have initially had problems with this go, no, no, this isn't good enough. Sorry. Like you, and, and then, I think the president, Michael Schill has basically tried to, and here's the other thing. It's the first time I've ever come across this. I think Michael Schill has tried to basically be a puppet for both sides and has gotten caught in that game where, okay, I'm going to try to massage this for fits so that the big money people who over 15 years have had a real tendency to, you know, want to go to war with Pat Fitzgerald because he's our guy. Fitz is our guy. And if yeah. you're a big money guy, if you're the Ryan family specifically, if you're all these big money people who have made all these things possible at Northwestern from a resources standpoint, you didn't give the money to Northwestern athletics. You didn't give the money to Northwestern football. You gave it to Patty Fitzgerald. And that's how they feel about Pat Fitzgerald. So I think initially he tried to massage this and go, okay, let's make everybody happy over here. And then he, he's like, nope, like this isn't good enough. And I think it's angered all the people who are in Pat Fitzgerald's camp. But when he did that on Friday, guess what? Northwestern is an is an is an unique animal and a unique organism in a sense as as an institution. And so the faculty over here and your your some members of your board over here who don't have any care in the world about how Northwestern does on the football field were like, no, this isn't this isn't our values as an institution. Like. Yeah. And so they were like, you've been here for like, what, a cup of coffee? Like, you need to do better than this. And so now he's kind of trying to feed that that beast over here and go, yeah, you're right. I, I didn't do this right. So now we're going to try to do it a little bit better. And I think yeah. the idea, 
It's it's just a unique organism that Northwestern is. When you have a a eight hundred million dollar stadium that you're trying to basically put on top of the, you know, pile of rubble that you have called Ryan Field, and I've been there. It's it's a dump. I I've, I've never been to a bigger dump in big time college athletics than than at Ryan Field. I don't mind saying that. And then your first thing is the 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 people that have the brownstones around that stadium are are campaigning against the fact that that stadium is going to cause us more problems as a community than it is. And and I, I've never like that. That is the different organism that happens when you have Northwestern uh, when you were talking about Northwestern University and Northwestern University athletics. So from a standpoint of I've always said this is that there are a lot of instances at Northwestern where wins and losses is not exactly the most you know crucial thing that's going on here. And I think a lot of that, we can go back to the idea that a lot of people would joke that Pat Fitzgerald over the last 10, 15 years has had a job that is basically unfireable because as long as you're, you're proclaiming the, the, the Northwestern way here um, and the wildcat way and doing the best you can with, with the restrictions that we we've already put on you and we're not going to take back at any point and you're doing the best you can we're not going to fire you. And, and that, that seems like that's, that was what the situation that, that Pat Fitzgerald was living in. And I think that um, I just think we're in a situation here, Neil, where yes, you're right. And I, this is where I kind of, I don't mind naming names. This is where I have an issue with like the Adam Rittenberg's of the world when he says, Hey, Fitz now has a right to go to court for North, with Northwestern. Yeah, he does. But um, this isn't like double jeopardy here, like he, where you're charged with a crime and you can't be charged with the same crime again. There's no precedent here that says Northwestern can't say, yeah, we messed this up on Friday and almost in every possible way. Um, and we tried to make it more correct and, and more, you know, essentially the idea that when Pat Fitzgerald sent that statement to ESPN and said, hey, we had an agreement on Friday. And now you're you're going back on the agreement that we had on my punishment. And I'm going, you don't understand the employee-employer relationship here, pal. Like, your school president has every right to go, hey, you know that thing we agreed on on Friday? I'm the school president. I can unilaterally say, you know what? We're not doing that. Here's what, here's what the new punishment is. Like, because I'm the president of Northwestern. And I have to answer to the board and I have to answer to the faculty reps and all of these things at Northwestern. But I'm going to do this because this is just the more right, more right thing to do. And I think that we can live in a world where Northwestern messed this up every which way from Friday, Saturday and Sunday, and then tried on Monday to make this as right as they possibly could. I think we can live in a world where both things can be true. And Always. I don't, and I don't think that Fitz has a right to say, well, now I'm going to sue you and get my $50 million because you agreed on Friday that I was only suspended for two weeks. Pat, that's not how this works. That's not how this yeah. works. And I and I would I would encourage Pat's lawyers, if this gets any worse from a PR standpoint of more people come out of the woodwork, I would encourage Pat if he wants to stay in this business. And fifty million dollars is fifty million dollars, and I might do a lot to try to defend it and fight for it as well. But if he's forty eight years old, if I wanted to be in this business more than hey being a linebacker coach maybe in the NFL, I which I don't know if he can do either. Like I might go. I, I I had wrapped my head around Neil on Monday morning that, hey, if Fitz is who he has said he is for the last 15 years publicly, he might just resign and go, hey, I don't want my legacy to be this where I harmed people 
I have put Northwestern in, a, in my alma mater and my school and the thing that I care the most about in the most harm possible. Let me walk away and then try to do something good over a period of time um, later on. He has decided to not do that. He has decided to fight his alma mater and the thing that he loves the most. And I don't know if that's the best path for Pat Fitzgerald to stay in this business. I always wonder about these meetings that happen over the course of time. When you get a bunch of people around a room, around a table, presumably, and they're talking about, okay, here's how we're going to handle this on Friday. Here's what we're going to do. I always wonder if it's because there, there's just nobody in the room that understands media or if there's nobody in the room with kind of the, lack of a better word, guts to speak up. But if there was nobody in the room that said, hey, listen, I get it. And maybe this works. Maybe this just, we drop it on Friday and it disappears. But there are a lot of unhappy people here. What happens if they pick up the phone and speak up? What are we going to do if there's backlash? Where someone goes, well, do you think there'd be backlash? Yeah, there's a real chance there's real backlash. There's a real chance that more people come out and go, no, this happened to me too, and blah, 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 blah. And I'm always amazed that in these athletics departments where they have so many people, and frankly, too many people, and nobody can say that, and then the crisis unfolds, and it ends up being a PR train wreck and you're right. Maybe they, at the end of the day, they, they did the right thing. But sure enough, they created a mailstorm of uh, scandal. And, and, and now where you have, and I don't like, I'm, the student newspaper, I don't know the people there. I don't know anything about them. I'm sure that they're working very hard. They had a story that came out. We we're taping this on Wednesday. I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday with, hey, it promoted anonymous people promoted a culture of, of that allowed racism. And I'm like, well, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. You can't be anonymous on that. You, you, you don't get to say anonymously that there was a culture of racism. What does that mean? You're going to have to be more specific. And frankly, you got to put your name on this if I'm going to run it. And, and that hasn't happened. And a lot of that could have been avoided if on Friday, what you, if, if what you're saying is true and it makes a ton of sense and you're probably right. If on Friday the, the president had said, hey, look, let's keep investigating ourselves. Let's do some, we've got this report. Let's do some digging. Let's talk to some people. We don't have to do anything on Friday. Friday is an artificial deadline. Let's wait a few days. Let's do this the right way. And then let's make an, a decision that we all feel good about and that we feel comfortable sticking to in the event that there is backlash. And that didn't so two things. So two things here, Neil. One is, I'll just get this out of the way. You you and I have done this for quite a long time. I've done this since 2009. You've done this further than that. I, I used to talk to you a lot for, for mentorship when I was doing this in 2009, 2010 and covering Mississippi State. Um, don't you feel like sometimes you missed your calling in the sense of you you read these stories, whether it's at Northwestern, whether it's at, uh, you know, wherever, right? And you go, you know, for half that money, you could have called me and I think I could have I could have helped you out a lot better than this. I feel like as a journalist, I missed my calling and I was like, you know what? I could have Ray Donovan this for you, and I think you would have been better off. And I would have charged you half as much money as you're getting. You're paying this 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 PR there's, firm you there's hired. Two things. Two things that I am literally convinced I would have been awesome at and saved people a ton of money at is one, just being the common sense guy in the room. Yep. Just sitting back in the back, let it, let them have the meeting, and then when they kind of get 
to a conclusion, look over and go, hey, what do you think? And I could say, hey, okay, here's what I think. I think you're dude, on. I have, dude, I have stolen this from you uh, in, in Big Ten country where I say, hey, what if the hand raised guy in the back of the room is like, wait a minute, we're doing what now? Like, yeah, or just you're you're on to something, but have have you thought about this? I'm I'm convinced that I would have I would have helped people a lot and saved them a ton of money. And then the second thing is I'm literally convinced that I would be so much better as a search firm mm-hmm. than the search firms. Mm-hmm. So much better. Where I could have said, hey, Mr. And Mrs. Athletic Director X, these are the three people you should call. The first one of them to take your job, you should hire them. Mm-hmm. You should go that route. You you don't need to interview 22 people. You don't need to go canvas the earth. No, these are three people that make a ton of sense. Go get one. I'll reach out in, in back channels and find out whether he or she is interested. If they are, we'll kind of move this along. We can keep it really quiet if that's what you want. But instead of focusing on fooling the media and tricking everybody, why don't you focus on hiring the right person? Because once the press conference is over, the whole, I tricked you guys, no longer applies. Now it's about, hey, this person either wins or loses. I do have one more question along those lines. We'll move off Northwestern. Okay. If Pat Fitzgerald were coming off 11-1 and one and not 1-11, and 11, would this have been different? I don't think so at Northwestern. Okay. Believe it or not, like I think that because of like the again the 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 organism that is Northwestern and the faculty reps that you have to deal with and the board of trustees members, who are all if you look at them, first of all, it's a huge board. It's like forty people. I mean, yeah. when I did, when I covered Auburn, it was like ten people. I mean, on their board, and I think at most public land grant institutions, it's like ten. I don't think they get into that, but at Northwestern, it's forty people. Okay, and I detailed this in my column about Pat Fitzgerald and, and his narcissism in the letter to ESPN, but I'm like, you know, one of those 40 people is Rocky Wirtz, the owner of the Blackhawks. Don't think I'd be going to him for this. Like, and, and to be honest, like Rocky's not the person that I want to be consulting on this. Sorry. Blackhawks fan myself. Hi. I wish somebody else owned that team because Kyle Beach. Okay. Um, my point being, I think that if, if, if he was 11 and one, if he was coming off the, tw- the 2020 season, where he got the fifty million dollar contract, they went to the Big Ten title game. They they shot they they shook Ohio State in that ten title game. Um, if they were on that kind of a roll, I still think Northwestern acts like um, our job is to do what's best for the students, what's best for our faculty, and what's best for our overall community. And they don't see athletics as the most important thing that they do there. And so at the end of the day, I still think Pat Fitzgerald's and 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 everybody who's in leadership there is still kind of in in flux because it's like, hey, wait a minute. This is a major problem here. So I don't know if on-field performance I mean, obviously I think I think on-field performance would have allowed the Ryan family and a lot of the other big money people who again are fully invested in Pat Fitzgerald and not maybe not Northwestern Athletic. I think it would have helped him more than if he had now he's coming off of four wins in two years. I think that would have been a, that would have, obviously it would have changed the dynamic in some way, Neil, yeah. but I don't think it would have changed the dynamic in other ways in which Northwestern doesn't still want to consider themselves a football factory like other places. And they still want to turn their nose up at places that are, they considered to be football factories, especially like places in their own conference. Sure. One other thing I want to talk about before we move on to this is that you mentioned that the daily Northwestern, the student newspaper, the reason 
that the, the the Daily Northwestern is getting all of this type of you know coverage for their coverage and how they've handled this, Neil. This is a journalism thing that I think you and I really enjoy talking about. Okay, you would think major third major market in the United States of America. You know, the Daily Northwestern wouldn't be leading the charge here, but it is. The Sun Times doesn't have anybody covering college sports anymore. They have they have they have they have laid off a whole bunch of people in their sports department. They don't even they don't even cover Illinois. They don't cover any of the in-state schools in the state of Illinois. They've left it alone. The Tribune basically has no sports other than the Bears and the Bulls and and, and your your pro sports teams that are making a dent in in the. They don't cover college sports. Shannon Ryan went to the athletic. Um, she was the one that was basically trying to figure this out. Steve Greenberg is a columnist who covers baseball in the in the summer and covers Cubs and White Sox. And he's asked to kind of dig into college sports when it gets hot and heavy. But he can't maintain that kind of a low. Sometimes doesn't have anybody. Right. So the when Daily Herald major, doesn't really yeah. exist anymore. Yeah. No, it doesn't. I mean, and then, you know, NBC Sports Chicago doesn't doesn't really care about it anymore. The person, I'll, I'll make it very, I mean, honestly, it's unbelievable. The baseball coach who's still employed at Northwestern, and I can't figure out exactly how or why, because um, that story was broke by 670 the score in Chicago, the, um, the sports radio state. It wasn't broke by the Tribune or the, you know, or the Sun-Times or WGN or any of that stuff. It's because they don't have the resources anymore to do it. It's how the high school in, in Ohio being a fake high school happens. It's because nobody covers high school sports anymore at, yeah. at a major market anymore. So the the death of, you know, I, I'm, I'm not trying to get on my high horse here, but the cutbacks and the death of newspaper journalism anymore has led to Northwestern being basically allowed to try this Friday news dump and try to get away with it. And the only way they didn't get away with it was Daily Northwestern and the sports journalism department at Northwestern University, led by a name that you'll know is J.A. Adonde, who now leads that um, sports oh, department. Oh, is that right? Northwestern. How about that? Yeah, has said, hey, wait a minute. Like, and, and Credit to these kids, because they were like, hey, wait a minute. This doesn't smell right. Um, and and they've done, some, they've done some hell of a reporting. But if they didn't do it, Neil... I don't know where we are today. So the fact that major markets now just don't cover college sports anymore the way that they did when we were even we were even starting in this business in the early 2000s is the world that we live in and why like if the daily like it has to be the daily northwestern now that that is leading the charge on this because nobody else had paid attention to northwestern from a major you know daily covering the beat standpoint the only other guy and you know this is, is louis vicar over at over at wildcat rivals um and he's the only one that's day-to-day on the beat there at northwestern because there's just no other major market entity that's going to do it there so um the fact that nobody was there kind of holding northwestern's feet to the fire on a daily basis teddy greenstein doesn't do anything anymore for the tribune um, he was their Northwestern guy. Steve Greenberg doesn't isn't there every day for the Sun Times. And Steve's a friend of mine. He just he can't. It's it's a workload that he can't handle. Um, so that's why the Daily Northwestern gets basically put in the spotlight on this because they had the time, they had the resources, and they had the people to be on have boots on the ground every day. And that's they were the only ones. 
Take a break in the podcast to tell you about Prime Shrimp. You can get seven different flavors delivered directly to your door. A couple of my favorites, the Signature, the New Orleans-style barbecue. They're great for salads. They're great for lunches, quick snacks, or even dinner to feed your family. The summer's pretty busy, so let Prime Shrimp take care of you. Again, with all those different flavors, fewer than 10 minutes, freezer to plate, and you get restaurant-quality shrimp. They also offer the uh, two-pound bags of individually frozen shrimp, a lot like was at the grocery store, except a higher-quality shrimp from the New Orleans-based company. They're also available in Rouse's Markets if you have one of those nearby. But if you need them mail to you, we can help you out. You buy five pouches or more and use code RG and you get 25% off. That's code RG, 25% off, primeshrimp.com. Summer is here and Heavenly Sunshine Property would like to take the opportunity to remind you about the importance of taking care of your outdoor living spaces. Regular maintenance is key to preserving the beauty and integrity of your home or business, and one of the most effective ways to maintain is through power washing. Some of the key benefits include increased curb appeal, damage prevention, creating a healthier environment. It also saves you time and money. They've been serving the Mid-South and Oxford for over four decades. Their full-service commercial and residential property maintenance includes power washing, soft wash roof cleaning, facade cleaning, and window cleaning. Don't wait until it's too late. Contact Heavenly Sunshine today and get ready to enjoy a brighter, cleaner outdoor living space, heavenlysunshine.com or 662-342-1203. You get a free estimate. You can book that today. You can use code MPW10 for a 10% discount. Podcast also brought to you by Northeast Spark, N-E-S-P-A-R-C, service people across rural communities, two packages, the Ignite, the 100 Mbps, or the Blaze, the one gig that powers the Clark Ford Studio, your hometown team bringing you world-class broadband. That's any Spark. Dot com 662-238-3159. Get the best internet in Lafayette County, also parts of Union and Pontotoc counties for those who previously did not have internet. And then last but definitely not least, GNM Pharmacy 662-236-2222. They're right there on South Lamar and Oxford. They're my pharmacy. They deliver stuff to me every day. They do that for free. Free local delivery with G&M. Take care of all your pharmaceutical needs. They even help you transfer your medications. If you're using one of those big box pharmacies that doesn't care about you, switch to G&M. You make one phone call, they take care of the rest. Done, simple, easy with G&M in Oxford or Tyson Drugs in Holly Springs. Again, that's 662-236-2222. It's so interesting you say that. Uh, We'll get off Chicago media in a minute, but as a lifelong fan no as a lifelong cup fan growing up especially when the internet came to pass and you know late 90s i could read about the cubs every day but i would go to the tribune you know i i would go to the sun times go to the daily herald there was you know like bruce miles and gordon Whitmire and paul sullivan i mean i remember all the names people that that, that wrote those stories um and then over time those outlets have become minimized. I mean, the Chicago Tribune is nowhere near what it once was. I mean, not even it's a shell of itself. And and mm-hmm. now, when I want to read about the Cubs, I go to the Athletic. Sahad of Sharma and Patrick Mooney and um, Brett sure. Taylor with Bleacher Nation has become you know like it's almost le- not almost it's legitimate now. I mean, you know, they, they, their coverage of like the Cubs minor league system is probably better than anybody else's and. It just it's a the, the media landscape has changed so dramatically, but you're right. There is such a lack of local coverage. I look at the old Miss beat sometimes. I mean, I'm in there and you know, when I first started on the old Miss beat all the way back in two thousand eight, the Clarion Ledger was there, Tupelo, the Memphis paper, um, there were T V stations, 
and then you had rivals and scout and whatever, but the Oxford Eagle and, and now you, you go and it's, it's rivals. It's on three. It's 24 seven. I mean, the Clarion Ledger has a, has a presence, but it's no longer, it's no longer really an influential voice covering the beat. Tupelo has a, a good reporter covering them and, and, and Tupelo is still one of the few papers that there's a hard copy paper that people actually hold in their hands and read. But, you know, I mean, the, the, the Oxford Eagles just, it, it's, it's a one person sports department. You can't cover everything and, and cover. I mean, it's just, it's, it, it's there's just a lot there and it, it's the landscape has completely changed. And it's what's interesting about this. And it's be something at all these media days, big 10, big 12, sec, eight, whatever. Coaches are going to be asked about this hazing thing. And in the back of their minds, they're going to be like, well, I know stuff happens and we got to clean it up. But frankly, I don't know that you guys would ever find out about it. You know, um, it would be, it would be. I'll easy. add to this, Neil. Yeah, quick, I'll add to this. Is, and I know you've talked, you have the same kind of sources that I do. I started sending out texts on Saturday going, what are your thoughts on this? Because I know a lot of the sources I talked to knew fits a lot better than I did. And I thought I'd get that kind of response. Neil, the response I got back from, from my sources were, um, this is the thing that scares me the most. Because if there is hazing, once it happens, there's not a darn thing I can do to take it back. And there are times in which I, I, I can't possibly see a scenario in which I 100% of the time I can stop it from happening. Yeah. And it has to be a culture thing and a society thing that we get rid of as a society and we're not there yet. So I've had coaches tell me trying to stop hazing before it starts in my locker room is the thing that I, I, I have to be the most, you know, up, you know, up, up, yeah. up, up front about. And, yeah. and, and it's the thing I, I had a coach literally say, it's the thing that keeps me up at night at most because it, yeah. once it happens once I'm fired. Because when you have a locker no room, doubt about it. when you have a locker room of 105 kids, and in this transfer portal era and mm -hmm. all that stuff, every locker room has culture issues. Okay, every mm -hmm. single locker room has has stuff that's going on. Period. No matter winning, losing, geography, white, black, all of it. it every locker room has culture and so uh, issues that you have to address. And yeah, if I, if I'm a coach, this is the thing that's keeping me up at night because no matter what you think of Pat Fitzgerald. He was a legend at Northwestern. He had a lot of job security, $50 million worth, and all of a sudden it's gone, and it has nothing to do with losing games. And most coaches are like, right. hey, what's going to get me is losing games or some scandal, right? And 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 this mm -hmm. is this is something that, I mean, I can see how a head coach didn't really know these things were going on. He wasn't physically in the locker room. Maybe he got wind of some stuff and sort of just dismissed it. He thought maybe it wasn't as whatever. But if you're a coach at a it's where I, I come back to the, the the whole thing with with Patty Fitzgerald is that Neil, he's been so consistent on, hey, Maggie Hickey even concluded, I didn't know. Like, yeah. I'm telling you, I didn't know. I didn't know. And I'm sitting here and I'm going, but you're not saying that you should have. Right. right. And I know legally, like if I want to win some back of that $50 million, I can't. Yeah, But I would like to hear some empathy from Pat Fitzgerald, who I always thought was empathetic to the student's body, let alone his own players. And, and, and the last thing I'll say is that the other way that this has been handled unbelievably poorly, not only from the university standpoint, but the people who want to defend Pat Fitzgerald, 
that letter that was signed by the entire Northwestern team in the middle of July that got put together in about 24 hours, that was the first signal to me that was like, uh oh, like this thing happened because yeah. there's no worldly way. I talked to a former player at Illinois the minute that that came out, and I'm like, oh, you knew that that was horse crap, right? Because, like, there's no way you're getting 100 players to, like, on a text thread, look at this letter and go, yeah, we're good, cool. Like, that thing would that thing would have taken, like, a month to put out because yeah. you would have had a lot of people going, no, no, this ain't right. Like, you got to change this and this and this. That thing doesn't come out in 24 hours. That was where I, my first signal of, uh-oh, like, we got a problem here, and – and again, like I'm, I mean, it won't happen because now it's 11. It's gone from a one to 11. Like nobody at Northwestern has said this didn't happen, which is crazy to me because like at some point you would have thought somebody would go like, especially, and here's the other thing is that now we're in the portal era. Somebody gets into the portal from Northwestern and goes, you know why I got into the portal? Because of this you know, grab ass that's happening in the locker room. It doesn't happen to do because I wasn't playing or anything. And like, and then he goes to another program and starts talking about it. Yeah. Like, how did that not happen? Like, you know what I mean? Like there were a lot of, yeah, there's a lot. There's just a ton. Yeah. I think, I think victims and people who even saw what was going on was, were so abhorred that of what they were seeing that they were like, you know, if I tell somebody this, they're not even going to believe me if I tell them, you know, and, and, there's a lot of vic- there's a lot of there's a lot I think there was a lot of that. So just to get off of that, but yeah, I, I think that the end of this is 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 long down the road because apparently Pat Fitzgerald and and the attorney that he has hired, who is a very, very aggressive Chicago litigator, who has said, Nope, we're going to court. Like <laughs> at like and 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 so I don't think even when Northwestern wants to go through this search that they're gonna go through later on in the winter, um for, for Pat Fitzgerald's re- ultimate replacement, I don't think that this legal fight between Northwestern and Pat Fitzgerald will be over by then just because I think that he's going to try to salvage as much as he can of that $50 million deal. And I also think he's trying to salvage his career. Let's dive into some Big Ten things. You cover Illinois. Sure. Uh, Brett Bielema from the outside looking in appears to have some program momentum at a place that had been really unsuccessful for years. Uh, they they. I thought Illinois was was a interesting team to watch last season. Uh, what do you expect from the Illini this year? And I know a lot of people listening to this will be wondering Luke Altmyer's role on uh, on that team. Luke Altmyer's role is going to be what Tommy DeVito's role was last year. I I, I fully suspect that Luke Alt there's no quarterback battle at the University of Illinois. I mean, Luke Altmyer came in. He was one of two guys that Barry Lunny identified in the transfer portal that said, "Hey, if we get this person, you know." we've got a solid foundational piece here. The other one was Hudson card who ended up at Purdue. Um, those are the two guys that I know when I was covering the bowl game in Tampa, they had brought into campus out of the transfer portal and, and gone through the, the visit process with when they brought in Luke. Um, I, I, first of all, I think Barry understood that Luke obviously had the talent to, you know, be a starting quarterback in the Big Ten and be a starting quarterback for their program and do similar things to what, again, Tommy DeVito did coming in from Syracuse last year as a quarterback. But he also understood that Barry wants to take this offense a little bit different than than what Illinois, you would perceive Illinois was, wants to do under Brett Bielema. Um, Luke has the athleticism and the ability. You got your, your, your 
listenership is going to know that Luke has the athleticism to be able to do that. You know, they run a shotgun offense at Illinois. They run the ball, but like Luke's not under center all the, going to be under center all the time. Um, they they run a you know a, a I wouldn't say a spread, um, but they do run multiple sets. They do run a lot of stuff that Luke's going to have to be, you know, in in uh, you know in parallel with the offensive coordinator, with his center and, and everything that's going on there. Well, Luke's very, very football savvy and very football intelligent. I, I, I gathered that very, very soon in my, my research on him. Um, he's, he's been around the game. God knows how long. I, I think that Barry will attract it to that. I just think they found somebody who, um, you know, they thought had the potential and had the talent to be a starter in the SEC at Ole Miss. And if you have that, and you have the ability to come into our locker room and, and you know, this with Luke kind of be unassuming. Yeah. We've had to ask Luke to speak up in our, in our media gatherings with Luke when we do like the, the gaggle. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, this may be better than me than me in my first one. I, I had to tell Luke, Hey, can you speak up? Cause we're not going to be able to get this off the recorder. Like yeah. he's just very soft spoken. He's very, very, uh, um, boring. He's very, very, uh, he knows his cliches. He, he, he doesn't like he doesn't like doing the media stuff. I can kind of tell that. He he kind of um the first one I was kind of like, dude, are you do you feeling okay? Like I thought he might have the flu. Like he just didn't he hadn't he doesn't like I don't know that he had a great I don't know that he had a I don't know that he had a great media experience at Ole Miss. Um the, the, I'm the, sure he didn't. The media thing here sometimes gets gets weird with almost people taking sides on stuff so he mm. he might have gotten burned on that a little bit um but he also kind of has this like i i want to be this le- quiet leader mm-hmm. but in my locker room like i want to be with my guys kind of yeah. kind of mentality kind of thing and i think that that fits totally with what brett bielano wants out of his quarterback one yeah. and two the mentality of what this illinois locker room wanted um tommy devito he, but <laughs> He is the pit, he is the exact opposite of Tommy DeVito. Tommy DeVito was a was a Jersey kid who wanted the spotlight, loved doing media, loved cracking jokes in media. Um, would do, you know, he he wanted the attention. He wanted the attention. Um, he had had a bad experience at Syracuse and wanted to tell people about it. Luke Altmeyer does not want the attention. We've got it very clear that he he didn't have a great experience at Ole Miss, but doesn't want to share that with anybody. Right. Like, that's that's not how he how he's wired at all. And also, there's I'll just say it. There's there's kind of the Southern mentality in Luke, where it's like, that's my business. Yeah. It happened. I'm here now. Stop asking me about it. Like right. I, I, I I've got three years here now. Which, oh, by the way, that was also a very appealing thing at Illinois, which was we don't want to keep going into the portal for a quarterback. Like, Bielema did not want that. And so when they got Luke and they were like, okay, you got three years possible of eligibility here, we can build something with you. And, um, but, but the, uh, I mean, to get back to your question, I think Luke Altmeyer is, is not going to be asked to carry the load at quarterback at Illinois, um, in his first year here simply because, Brett Bielema still wants to run the football and yeah. wants to play power football and wants to play bully ball. And that alleviates a lot of the pressure off of Luke so that he can go do athletic things and almost be like, okay, this is, this is what we can do in situations where, you know, 
it's obviously going to be to your benefit, Luke, to get you out of the pocket or, or throw the football a little bit and, and get do some athletic things with you. But I think, Neil, defensively, this Illinois team could be really, really interesting. And I say that because it's interesting because Ryan Walters, the defensive coordinator, who was the defense coordinator for arguably the number one defense in the country last year, is now the head coach at Purdue. Well, we're going to figure out how much Ryan Walters, and I think that Ryan is an excellent coach. Don't get me wrong. I think it's a – just judge by Brett Bielema's reaction where he went, yeah, I knew I was going to lose Ryan, but damn it, did it have to be Purdue? Like, yeah. son of a yeah. gun. And, and I I think that we're going to learn that Ryan's a really good coach, but also we're going to learn that this is Brett Bielema's defense. And not only is it Brett Bielema's defense, but there's a lot of cooks in that kitchen that are still there. Aaron Henry is still there, who was the DB's coach, who basically was Ryan Walters' roommate. Um, a- Andy Boo has been a defensive coordinator at three different Power 5 schools, who's the linebacker coach. And then you've got Brett Bielema working up front with arguably, Neil, I think one of the best defensive fronts in all of college football. And I'm, I don't think I'm being hyperbolic with that because I, I think Johnny Newton's going to go in the first round next April. And I think that uh, there's a kid named Keith Randolph who a lot of people around here and, and who's from the Belleville area know as a basketball player because he was um, EJ Liddell's teammate, high school basketball teammate um, on the state championship team that EJ Liddell played at. And um, went from a 265-pound freshman who was football, football, football to somebody who's now 300 pounds and I think is going to be very, very intriguing to NFL draft picks. And then they have a freshman, Neil, who it's the first kid that Illinois has ever draft, or I'm sorry, ever ever recruited where I went, oh, that's like where I used to cover when I was at Auburn or uh, even when I was at Mississippi State. Yeah. And the kid named Gabe Yock, who I went – uh, when he when he walked in, he was 265 pounds, and he's an outside rush linebacker. You're like, oh, that plays like that's Neil. He reminds me the most of what Simeon Rice used to look like when he was here at Illinois. It's the first kid I've ever seen like that. That's like that physical freak, and I think has he was a freshman All American, has the ability to to be something special in his sophomore year. Illinois' plan no doubt about it this year because they lost three guys in the NFL, including Devin Witherspoon out of their secondary is I, I, Neil, I call it the race. If Illinois can win the race to the quarterback before the quarterback can get the ball off, they're going to be really, really good. And I, I just think from a, everything close to the football in terms of defense, Illinois might be not only one of the better teams in the big 10, but one of the better teams in the country. And I think if you've got that, you can figure it out in the back. I mean, they're going to be able to try to figure it out in the back as the seat, as fall camp turns here in August. But they're going to go get the quarterback, and I think they're going to dominate the line of scrimmage. And I think if you can do that, then you can have a chance to win a lot of football games. And that's that's the key here at Illinois is that they've had good seasons. Ron Turner went to the Sugar Bowl. You know, there's there's been good seasons here, but then there's been a want-want of like four or five wins the following year. That can't happen this year, especially in the NIL world. That Brett Bielen was trying to live in and knows that he can't right now. Um, and I think that uh, they need the momentum of another good season and they have the ability to do that. The, um, excuse me. The calling card, Neil, is that this is the last year of the Western division in the big 10. Yeah. yeah. And it's, it's like really winnable. It's winnable. Illinois would like to win the West and get to Indianapolis. And if they can do that, then I think Brett Bielema has this program on the, tenured track that he thinks he had it at Arkansas before things started to go haywire there. So the 
two teams in the West in the Big Ten that if I were Illinois would probably worry me the most. Uh, one's one's just super fascinating, right? I mean, what Wisconsin's going to look like with an open offense. I mean, you're so used to Wisconsin being, you know, three yards in a cloud of turf, and and now Wisconsin's going to open it up, presumably. And then um, for all the jokes about Iowa and the offense a year ago, the defense was elite. It was really good. And the quarterback play was not. And they went out and, and got a decent quarterback. Um, they could be better. They should be better at quarterback. For all the jokes about Kirk Ferentz's son and the yards, if you want to survive. And points game that he has to get and all that stuff. There's a lot there. But I do think Iowa will be better on offense. Wisconsin is just going to be fascinating, period. As a, I mean, it's one of the most – you said, hey, 10 teams that you're really curious about. Wisconsin's on my list. Um, but the rest of that division, like Purdue's, Purdue's fine, but uh, yeah, it's 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 transition. We talked about Northwestern. Um, I mean, I'm looking at Illinois' schedule. It's uh, they, they Penn State at home. They go to Purdue. They get Nebraska at home. They go to Maryland. Maryland could be a good team. They get Wisconsin at home. They go to Minnesota. Minnesota's a good team. Um, Indiana's not a good team uh, at. Iowa, and then they finish with with Northwestern at home. I mean, it, it it's not a particularly daunting schedule. Sure. Um, we'll, we'll, let me do the like three four years down the road thing. I can tell you that the people that I've talked to, um, the team that Neil, we're not going to have Western Division, anymore, but let's assume that we did. Okay. Okay. The team that they fought in the West that's scares them the most is Nebraska. Yeah. I think a lot of people who assume a lot of people in the industry that I talk to and a lot of fans don't want to hear this because it's like, dude, that's, that's so old and played out. And like, Nebraska is always going to be what they are now. No, no, like, I'm I, telling I think, you, I think Matt rule is going to win. In the industry, Matt rule is going to win there. And yeah. there are, there is money behind Matt rule. Yeah. People know this in the industry. And I'm talking about the coaching industry and the agent community where they yeah. go, there is money behind there for if somebody has a plan and a an honest to God, Neil, a developmental system there. Nebraska scares the hell out of everybody in the Big Ten because they think that they can eventually get to that top tier. That when they don't go to divisions and everybody thinks the top tier is going to be Michigan, Ohio State, uh, USC, and Penn State, everybody's kind of trying to figure out, well, is there a fifth team that can maybe get in there? And I'm, I'm telling you that a lot of people in the industry think that three years down the road it's going to be Nebraska. Like, I'm just telling you. I totally buy that. In, 2020, in 2023, I think you're right. I have an issue with Wisconsin, okay? And okay. the issue, and you can maybe help me out with this. And the issue with Wisconsin is Phil Longo. Because I I, I still, look, I, I, I went to high school in Wisconsin. I operate under the idea, Neil, at Wisconsin that, I'm sorry, but if you want to have a country band, you better, ha- you better play, you better have a fiddle player, Okay. If you want to play college football in Madison, Wisconsin, you better run the ball. Like uh, it, it, you just, you better do it. You better not forget that that's 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 what we do here. Okay, and I don't think you have to do it in the same way that you know Barry Alvarez and Brett Bielema and Paul Christ have been doing it. But you better not forget that like there are really real the your bread and butter recruiting is still going to be recruiting offensive linemen that come out of the state of Wisconsin, quite frankly, and quite honestly the, the Midwest area. And tailbacks that want to, you know, run the ball at Wisconsin, like they, 
Russell Wilson is still the like Brett Bielema is still here in Champaign highlights that hey I've had the best quarterback here at Wisconsin and God knows how long his name was Russell Wilson and I got him out of the transfer portal like you just you don't recruit they, they recruited a, a five-star kid out of Kansas and it turned out he can't play right I mean we figured that out over three four years he can't play Florida's going to figure that out this year that he can't play um so the idea being like uh, you're referring to Graham Mertz was supposed, yeah yeah Graham Mertz was supposed to be this you know generational quarterback at Wisconsin it didn't happen like, no it didn't so I'm trying to figure out what Phil Longo thinks he can do in Madison Wisconsin like we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with Indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's such an odd. In every fit. way, shape, or form, Neil, he's trying to reinvent the. He's not reinventing the wheel. He's inventing the wheel here at, at in Madison, and I, I, I don't know how that's going to go in twenty twenty three. I really don't, especially when you have a fan base, Neil, that says this is how we do things. I wasn't there, Neil. It's got to be the like a shock to the system in the same way that the Starkville people looked at Mike Leach and said, "You're going to do what now?" Like, yeah. Why? What? And, and I think there's going to be a shock to the system of the people of Wisconsin. And if they win, I don't think they're going to care. But if they if they struggle out of the gate here offensively, because you just do when you put in a new system, I don't know how that's going to go in Madison. Because there's going to be a lot of people that don't like how it looks, and they're certainly not going to like if you struggle. Oh, I agree with that completely. It's why I, if if you made me pick a team, and I'm with you on Nebraska, by the way, completely. Um, and won't be surprised if Nebraska is a good bit better this year than people think it. It, it, it's going to be sure. Uh, I, I would. I think Illinois got a real shot. It's one of the reasons I when when mm-hmm. when Altmaier, when I first heard Luke to Illinois, I went, "Oh, that makes a lot of sense." I mean, it's like one of those things where I was like, "Oh, I, I get that." Um, you were the only one. Yeah, and then you know the McCaffrey to it's not McCaffrey the the quarterback that went to Iowa who's oh uh, uh, Kate Kate McNamara. Who was at Michigan? Who when they made the, yeah when they made the when they won the game in Ann Arbor against Ohio State went to the playoff. Yeah. He was the quarterback. He lost. I heard, job when I heard to yeah. when I heard McNamara to Iowa. Yeah. I went, oh, well that that's a game changer for them potentially. And and so I kind of look at 
Iowa and Illinois at the top of that division, I, I guess PGA's done a really good job at Minnesota. They're they're steady. Um, but that division's super winnable, and it, it's the one that no one talks about because there's so much attention on the other division with Michigan and Ohio State, Penn State, you know, the the, the glamour brands, and, and I'll ask you about them in a minute, but I guess before we move to them quickly, I'm not keeping you much longer, but who do you who do you think wins the the Big Ten West? The, the the irony of the whole thing, Neil, is that usually the team that wins the Big Ten West is the team that played the easiest teams out of the East. Believe it or not, like yeah. honest to God, that's how Purdue got there last year. I mean, honestly, um, and so I think it could be Iowa if the offense is just a tick better. And, and Brian's able to keep it. Let's assume that Brian's able to keep his job and he's able to score 25 points a game. And I, I mean, whatever, like we can make all the jokes we want about that thing and whatever. Um, look, Phil Parker is one of the best defensive coordinators in the country. Yeah. And they have one of the best defenses every year in the country. He, they don't they get did. anywhere it's, near enough credit for how good they were defensively last season. It's it's remember when nationally when everybody would just talk about West Virginia or I'm sorry Virginia Tech because Bud Foster was there so they knew the defense was going to be good. It's kind of how everybody feels about Iowa. Well, Phil Parker's there, so the defense is going to be good. Like, and they they special teams wise, they're better than everybody in the country. Yeah. Um, and they just have this offense thing that they they just just isn't they they lose games because they just can't score points and they can't move the ball like yeah. and. They lose, and Neil, they lose games like 13 to 10. They don't lose games like 40 to 10. They lose games 13 to 10. And it felt like 28 to 10. Yeah. Because they just can't move the ball, right? And so they lost a game here in Champaign last year, 9-6. Like, yeah. I mean, they had, and Illinois really had no business winning that football game, right? And so um, I think if, I think if Iowa is a tick better offensively, People um, would would be apt to pick them to win the West. A lot of people nationally are going to Wisconsin because I, I think Luke Fickle, first of all, I think a lot of people nationally just have this obsession that they wanted Luke Fickle out of Cincinnati and whoever wherever Luke Fickle was going to end up, they, they think that program is going to be a monster um, for whatever reason. Um, I'm not trying to say Luke Fickle's not a good coach. I think he's an awesome coach. I just yeah. think he's been a darling of the national media for a long time. Yeah. He ended up in Madison, Wisconsin, so therefore Wisconsin's probably going to be a preseason top 25 team. I don't know if they deserve that. I certainly don't know if this first year is going to work for them. I think it's an interesting choice to have Phil Longo be your offensive coordinator if you're Luke Fickle and the way that I know he wants to build a program. I don't know how that's going to work. But if it all comes together in Madison – I mean, they have enough talent to win the West. They just do. Quite, quite frankly, they do. Um, Jim, Jimmy Leonard, the guy who was the interim coach last year, would tell you there's enough talent in that locker room to win games. So I think Wisconsin would be a a, 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 a good pick. I mean, it's a solid pick. It's a non-unarguable pick. Um, I, if you told me Illinois is in Indianapolis playing Ohio State or Michigan or Penn State, um, I would believe you. I just think Illinois' schedule cannot be overlooked it's just because I'm here on the ground. They opened up with Toledo, Neil. They won the MAC. If you told me Toledo somehow figured out a way to win that football game on September 2nd, I'd go, well, that's surprising. But I'm like, no, I'm not going to. I don't need to sit down in my excitement, right? Um, 
I mean, their schedule isn't easy. Like the, the, the Penn State game that you talked about, that's big moon Saturday kickoff. They've already said on, on Fox. Yeah. That, they're coming. I mean, you, when you look that's at the when you, deal. when you look at the Big Ten from the outside, right? What you see is there's no Ohio mm-hmm. State, there's no Michigan, there's no Michigan State. That's probably yep. as good a draw as you can get. Now, the the trip to Maryland's a difficult yep. trip. The trip to Iowa City's a difficult trip. The trip to Minnesota's a difficult sure. trip. But you get Wisconsin at home. Uh, you, 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 I mean, you no no yeah, Big the, Ten the, or the, no. The, no, no no Big Ten or as trip to Minnesota is less difficult because yeah, Bielema has never lost to PJ. Yeah, the, in his entire what, career, I think he's like eight and up. My point is, is that no Big Ten or SEC schedule yeah. is ever going to be easy. It's just not possible. So it's it's about degrees right. of daunting, and it could be a lot worse. I mean, you mm-hmm. get a trip to Ohio State instead of a trip to Purdue, you know, or whatever. Yep. So I, I guess that's that's my point. We're, I've kept you way too long. Let me get your thoughts on a couple other things real quick. Uh, sure. On the other side, Michigan, Ohio State. Penn State, been especially the first two, been dominant national programs the last couple of years. Michigan uh, got past Ohio State last year, uh, went to the the playoffs. Ohio State gave uh, Georgia a phenomenal game, could have easily won. Um, who wins that one this year? Which one of those two teams? If I told you a one Big Ten team plays for the national title, which one would you pick out of Michigan, Ohio State? I, I, I think it's I think it's Michigan, just because I think what Michigan does. Well, Ohio State has not figured out the equation of when Michigan wants to come in and bully the hell out of us. What do we do? Because the answer to Ohio at Ohio State has always been, we're going to keep putting up points. And Michigan's response was, okay, yeah, you play that pretty ball over there and and throw it around all over the parking lot. This game is played in late November. We're going to bully the hell out of you, and we're going to be more physical, and we're going to challenge your manhood. And now twice, Wisconsin, um, Ohio State has failed that test. And I think it burns that the, that part of it burns Ryan Day more than anything. Yeah. And I'm going to turn it around on you, Neil, because like I know I've always I always want to ask people that are outside the footprint, what's the take on Ryan Day? Because because the whole Ryan Day has to beat Michigan or like we don't know where this is going thing to me is just bananas. They were a field goal away from beating Georgia, a Georgia team that I didn't think was going to get beat all year. And I mean, I'm sorry, but if, 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 if you told Ryan day, there's the door five seconds later, he'd have a job. Like I, I, I can't, and I say, I don't mean to be hyperbolic. A lot of people say that about a lot of people. He, Neil, he's lost like six games his entire career, two of which are to Michigan, one is to Georgia, one is to Clemson, and two are to Clemson. Yeah. It's pretty I, good. I, I, I will take at, those losses. I look at Ryan Day and Ohio State and think when I watch them, and I watch a lot of Big Ten because I just find it to be a fascinating league. Um, everybody makes fun of me because I, I watch all the Iowa games and I watch a lot of Big Ten. And Ohio State. Right almost always has the most talent. Well, he recruited that talent. He's been able to go into Florida, go into the South, go into Texas, and and pull out elite players, bring them there, and acclimate them. Uh, they have been able to play physical. They've been able to play pretty, as you said. 
Uh, they're always so fast on defense. Often in the Big Ten, they're just so fast that they win games by default. And I give the coach credit for recruiting those players. I mean, that's part of the part of the job. It's a big part of the job. Kirby Smart will say it's ninety percent of the job is to recruit players yep. that can win games. It's not about X's and O's and drawing it up and scheming people to death. There's some of that. I mean, Lane Kiffin does some of that here where he actually out schemes some people and gets points. But for the most part, the best teams, the most talented teams win the football games. His teams are really talented. Now, Michigan game last year would be one, and, and Ryan Day, to his credit, admitted as much that it created some soul searching because that was a game a year ago where Michigan did exactly what you just said. Michigan punched them in the mouth over and over and over, and Ohio State kind of quit. But that was the first time that they've ever really kind of quit. And and like you said, losing to great Georgia teams, uh, losing to pretty good Michigan teams, everyone does the Harbaugh as a cartoon character thing. And I get it. I do. I understand that why Harbaugh rubs people the wrong way and stuff. He's still a hell of a coach. It's still a hell of a football program. They're still really good. And so when you lose to Michigan, it's not like you, it's not like you lost to Kansas A&M here. I mean, you, you lost to some pretty good teams. And, you know, I, I just, to your point, and you're exactly right, if Ryan Day were shown the door in Columbus, he would have multiple, his agent would hear from multiple ADs within an hour of, hey, don't do anything until I get a chance to talk to you. We're about to do something. Would you have any interest? I might do something if he's interested. That, that Those calls would come. He's, he's a tremendous uh, coach and program builder and, Look, these leagues are these 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 power leagues. This was I was getting to my last question, so I'll go to it here. These power leagues are going to expand one more time. I think. Mm -hmm. I think the Big Ten is going to expand one more time. I think the SEC is going to expand one more time. I don't know if it's going to happen in one year or in six years or whatever the case may be. But whenever it happens, winning one of these leagues is going to be brutally difficult. Really good right. teams are not going to win the Big Ten. Really good teams are not going to win the SEC. I'm talking about historically good teams are not going to be able to get over the hump and win it. It's that hard. So, um, just to go back to your former question, I, I give I give Harbaugh, who by the way has coached in a Super Bowl. Yes, let's not forget that. Um, I, I give him a lot of credit for being able to understand. Look, here's the here's the interesting dynamic, and, and Michigan's starting to change this a little bit. Like, if you look at the recruiting rankings, and I don't know how you feel about them, but it's still kind of an indication over maybe three years of what you're doing. They don't recruit the same caliber of prospect of Ohio State. They still don't. But Harbaugh figured out either stylistically or in what he's bringing into his locker room from a recruiting standpoint – he has basically tailored his program to this is how we're going to beat Ryan Day's Ohio State. Because I have enough talent, I think, to beat everybody else in the league, except for that dude. And then yeah. I've got to tailor X's and O's wise, stylistically, philosophically, how we do this from fall camp to the end of the season. This is how we're going to beat Ryan Day's Ohio State. Yeah. And he's done, he, he, has, he has masterfully done this. And that's mm -hmm. why I can't is to, to, I can't say, well, Michigan's not going to beat Ohio State three years in a row. He's tailored a plan to beat Ryan Day's Ohio State twice in a row, 
and he's not going to get off the plan. It's not like he's going to suddenly start recruiting kids where philosophically it's going to be different than what he's been doing in the past, no, either on both sides of the ball. He knows for them to That's get why where, I it. for them to get where he wants to get, they have yeah. to beat Ohio State. Yeah, and that's that's where why I think if you want to pick Michigan maybe second in a preseason poll, I'm good with that because they they they've won the Big Ten in the last two years. They did not lose a regular season game last year. Um, we're, they they bring back practically almost everybody because of the transfer portal and because of NIL, a lot of it. Um, from their to their football team, Harbaugh's an excellent coach. I get it. The wild card to me in the East, quickly, and I'll, and then I'll get to your final question: is the the wild card in the East to me is Penn State because if Drew Aller is exactly what Penn State people think he is, and I don't know whether he is or he isn't, but he is the most highly coveted quarterback that has been at Penn State in a long, long time, and they bring back an awful lot of pieces off that team that want to just want a Rose Bowl, and you can say what you want. I can say what I want, and a lot, a lot of SEC people can remember who he was and say a lot about James Franklin. He wins football games. He does. That's win football games. And so I think Penn State has a chance to get into the conversation. The problem at Penn State is there's two unbelievable bullies at the top, and eventually you got to beat them both in order to get to Indianapolis and let alone the, to the playoff. I think Penn – Neil, next when when it starts next year, the twelve team playoff is going to exceedingly help Penn State more than anybody in this league, because oh, they're true. going to be able to get into the twelve team playoff. Yeah, period. And they don't have to beat Michigan and Ohio State to do it. They may not even have to beat either one of them to do it. Um, and and James Franklin's going to continue to recruit top ten to top twelve type recruiting classes, which yeah. they do. Um, the, the 12 team playoff helps Penn State in this league more than anybody else. I, I, it, and, and I think that they have a really good shot to come out of the East as a dark horse to maybe knock off either Ohio State or, or Penn State that they'll play in their division. Um, the other one to me that's, that's a potential wild card in that league just because of what he's building there. And I think a lot of people in Illinois, because he was the offensive coordinator, he's Ron Zook's offensive coordinator in Illinois, is Maryland. They get Tagliolo yep. back again. I I think Mike is Locks is building a really really consistent thing there at Maryland, which is really really hard to do. I think they're going to go bowling, and I think that they could potentially win eight games and, and do that again this year. Everything else in the East is in flux. Um, I mean, you mentioned Michigan State, but the, there's a lot of people that think that if Mel Tucker is not transfer portal Ewing, this the fact. This is the first – I think Michigan State is the first test case where you go, you can't bring in 20 kids every year out of the portal because I think Mel Tucker is starting to figure out that was a re- really wrong thing to do philosophically with his program because it's starting to go real bad there. Um, uh, your your last question was, again, I'm sorry. Well, it's just kind of the the the, the next thing. We're getting ready to go to SEC media days. And oh, I'll yeah, the, the, yeah the, the, the expanding and everything. Okay, this will be an interesting discussion because I can I, I I think I fundamentally and vehemently disagree with you, at least okay. in my league that I cover. Okay. And here's why. Here's why. I graduated from Eastern Illinois University. I took two math classes. Okay. But the thing that I've what I come back to with expansion and what I when I talk to people within the league and honestly within the you know structure of the athletic structure at Illinois, we're already at one sixteenth. We're already now at a position when when UCLA and USC come into the league, we're already getting one sixteenth 
of the television money and all the revenue. We're sharing it one sixteenth. And then everybody kind of wanted to do the thing that everybody does when like UCLA and USC come into a league, into a Big Ten. Okay, now when the Big Ten goes to 20, what's it going to look like? And I think all the high-ranking administration people are and, and like I call and the Big Ten calls it the Council of Presidents and Chancellors went, okay, like, but you're gonna have to give me a good reason why where I have to take one twentieth of the instead of one sixteenth, because that's less money for me. And what I keep coming back to, Neil, is if that answer doesn't involve the University of Notre Dame, right? We're not interested for two reasons. One, again, one twentieth is less than one sixteenth. And two, um, everybody just goes, well, when they expand, again, the contract will go up and the money will go up because your, 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 you know, your inventory of games goes up. So therefore, the money goes up. Neil, I think we're starting to learn that with live sports, these networks are finally saying, no, the money's not going up. Thanks for giving us more inventory, but we can't afford to give you that any more than what we're already giving you. Then that number's not going up. Sorry. Like, and oh, by the way, the inventory that you have given us, based off of the ratings that we're getting and the the advertising revenue that we're getting off of what the inventory that you're giving us, we don't think that there's a reason for us to increase our our, our offer for our for our advertise for our for live sports, for our live sports contract with the Big Ten. And when I'm looking at Fox and CBS, Big Ten's done a great job of of reaching out to multiple avenues, Fox, CBS. Uh, you know, the Big Ten Network, uh, you know, uh, NBC, Peacock. They've reached out to three different major mark, major TV networks and said, hey, help us out to create some revenue here. But I think all of those networks would say, uh, eventually we've got to put a, you know, stop button on this and say, hey, we can't give you more money. There's not more money out there for live sports. And when if, if that's the case, Neil, if the, if the, if the pie stays the way it is, and you're asking me now to take 120th because we want to expand again because the Pac-12 is going to Big East itself or the ACC is going to Big East itself. Well, I'm sorry that they're going to do that, but bringing them in and making my school take less money, no, I'm not going to vote for that. And no, so, no one's no one's going to ever vote for less money. Here's here's what I think is is hey, going to be really fascinating. Okay. We're going to have the 2023 season, which. It's fine. We're going to talk about it. It's good. It's good for our business. We're going to talk about all the games. The season that everybody, you talk to these same people, I do too. The the season that everybody is fascinated for is 2024. They want to see what do the numbers look like? What do the numbers look like when the Big Ten adds USC and UCLA? What do the numbers look like when the SEC actually adds Oklahoma and Texas and those games start getting played, right? What 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 is the rating on USC, Iowa, USC, Michigan? Uh, whatever the games are going to play, what is the what does it look like when it's it's Oklahoma LSU or I don't have the schedules in front of me when it's Texas Alabama whatever yeah. when those games get played, what do the numbers look like and are the numbers so different and and also factor in the twelve team playoff where like you said sure. Penn State in November maybe they have a loss or two but hey they, they're playing for the ten seed they're trying to get in maybe mm-hmm. maybe here it's Ole Miss hey. Yeah, they lost to Alabama and they lost to LSU, but they're nine and two going into the Egg Bowl. And if they win it, they have a shot at the 11 seed, right? Uh, that game has a completely different meaning. And what does that do nationally to ratings? And if it means big ratings, bigger ratings, I think two things might happen. One is Notre Dame. Notre Dame might go, you know what? This is kind of stupid. What if 
what if the best move for us is to get into the Big Ten and, and to be part of this? Because God knows Notre Dame would bring numbers. And Notre Dame might ultimately go, the numbers are bigger for us across the board in the Big Ten than they would be if we continue to roll the dice and, and go independent. Because you do run the risk of becoming slightly irrelevant as an independent, um, even even at Notre Dame, although you know what I mean. And then I think with the ACC and the and ESPN, ESPN owns the ACC rights. ESPN might start looking at the ACC and those numbers falling off the cliff and going, all right, we've got a couple of products in this league that we need to refurbish. We need to repackage. We need to make Clemson sexy again, or we need to make Florida State sexy again, or whatever the case may be. And there's a path to doing it. And so, yeah. No, no one's going to take less money. The only way they're going to do it is if ESPN and Fox and their partners go, you know what? This is so big that we can make more pie. You'll get the same number you're getting now. We're just going to make more of it so that they can get it too. Does that happen? I don't know. I kind of think maybe. But to your point, and it's a good one, they are also finding that more and more young people don't watch live sports. And Bingo. And if you have young people or old people and you get to pick, well, which, which market, which demographic are we going to judge our decisions on? Well, father time's pretty much undefeated with the possible exception of Nick Saban. And so um, they're going to go, we want, we're going to look at what young people do. And if young people, if they find that young people just watch highlights on YouTube and they don't actually watch the games and therefore see the ads and such that maybe they'll stick with what we have. And, and the, Frankly, the the 32 teams that are about to be in the Big Ten and the SEC are the luckiest sons of bitches on earth because they're going to be okay, and everybody else is going to be fending for themselves. I think there's also a philosophical divide, Neil, and I think this is this is maybe the interesting part of our discussion. The league that I cover, okay, there are accurate reports that there are members of the councils of presidents and chancellors in the Big Ten that are going, wait a minute, you want me to play at night in November, like we've never done that before. We're not doing that. Like, and the, the networks are like, yeah, we do. Cause we're giving you a billion dollars a year. Like, correct me if I'm wrong, but the same group of people in your league would be like, sure. Like, wait, you, you want me to play at three o'clock on a Tuesday? Sure. Whatever. Yes. Like, like let, For let, sure. let's do that. We, I have, I have people in our league that were like, no, no, we're not playing night games on November. Like you have to make concessions for historical concessions for what we've done in the past. That's the league that I cover. Yeah. I'm not sure what these people thought Big Ten Saturday night was going to be when Peacock started advertising it. But the chancellor and, and oh, by the way, like they're all blaming Kevin Warren for like, well, now that you've entered. Well, geez, Kevin, now that you've allowed USC and UCLA in our league. And now we've now we've got to do everything differently that w- the way we've done it in the past. And boy, I wish you really hadn't done that. And Kevin Warren's sitting here going, "I got a call from the SC provost that said he wanted to come into our league. What was I supposed to do? Now nah, we're good. I think this is going to cause us more problems than more headaches than I think that we were. I appreciate the offer, but no. If he had passed on that offer, whoo, oh, okie dokie. Like, yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of historical. You know, we honest to God, Neil, people in academia in the Big Ten that are in that councils of presidents and chancellor's office that are going like, I don't cut, I don't, I don't run a football factory here. Like, you know, I, I, I'm, 
you want us to play game night game, uh, which is, a, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, I'm not saying that this is a legitimate argument. I think it's tototally ridiculous that sure, I know what you mean, but Gene, Gene Smith at Ohio state and ward manual at Michigan are like, no, we're not going to play night games. And, and I, and I, 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 I shake my head and I'm like, guys, nobody's going to make you do whatever you don't want to do. Like I remember Neil, when we started cover, when I was on this beat in 2009, there was, there were still Thursday night games in the sec. Mm-hmm. Notice how none of those games were ever in Tuscaloosa. Alabama never played a Thursday night game in the SEC. If you don't want to do something, fine. But, Neil, there are a lot of other schools in, in the league that I cover, mine in particular, that are like, you want us to play on Saturday night in November? Sure. Like, let, oh, put yeah. us on PC. You want us to play uh, on Friday night, like it, on FS1? Sure. Like, that's cool. Like, we're the only game on Friday night? Sweet. Yeah. So, like, I think that there's a lot of still, especially people at the top, Michigan, Ohio State, Penn State, maybe even at Southern Cal that are like, no, we're, we're, we're pretty set in stone with the way we do things here. Like, And I think that if you ask them to change the way that they look at their institutions um, with more expansion, because more expansion would make the networks go, okay, yeah, we're giving you all this money, and now we've got to figure out a way to do this with like 20 teams. You're going to have to play on a Friday night, Ohio State. Sorry. Like, I don't know if Ohio State would be crazy about that. So philosophically, also, I think that there's a divide here between the power two, where the league I cover is still trying to hold on to 1995 as as much as they can. And I think your league is like, um, if you're going to give us a billion dollars a year to do this, like, tell us when you want us to play, and then we'll 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 figure it out. Like, you know, the SEC is about money. It's you got it. Yeah, we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll 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 make it work. We might have to maneuver some scheduling to make sure that Tennessee and Alabama play or that LSU and Alabama play or whatever the case may be, but no, no, we'll make it work. And that's and to why his ever loving detriment, Neil, Kevin Warren thought the big 10 was all about money too. And he came yeah. to figure out that it's it at, in some instances, it's not. Yeah. And, and that's why Kevin Warren's no longer the commissioner of the big 10, quite frankly. Yeah, it's and, fascinating stuff. And I also don't think, I think that will lead to the big 10 needing to be convinced that one twentieth of the pie is, better you better convince me that that pie is bigger yeah there are yeah. people in that room that vote that are going you better convince me that this deal that we just signed can get torn up and it's going to be for a bigger figure you you have to convince me of that oh yeah otherwise, otherwise it doesn't happen no, there's no question about yeah. that no one's going to take a smaller piece of pie They're, the only way it happens is if they bake more pie right yeah I mean, that's it I mean, that's the only way and, and frankly notre dame still holds a lot of cards in, until their deal with nbc isn't what it if they get to a place where it's like we could make more money in the big 10 and have more exposure and a better opportunity to play in the playoff and all of those things in the big 10 than we do as an independent they still possess the ability to rock the world because if they pick up the phone and call the big 10 and say hey we want in the big 10 has to let them in period oh that's that's again that's the usc provost calling kevin warren and saying are you interested in us yes yeah, the, the answer is yes. automatic yes. Yes, the answer is yes. It's like when Texas and Oklahoma called the SEC. The answer was yes. Yes, absolutely. Yes. We want Red River. Yes, there's no yes. doubt about it. No question. That. The idea, Neil, also, I think there's two parts to that, the Notre Dame thing, quickly. One is I found it interesting that the, uh, you know, AD in waiting at Notre Dame after Jack Swarbuck is the former president of MVC Sports. Yeah. I mean, at, at that point, you're kind of sitting there going, Either Notre Dame knows that their relationship with NBC can hold being an independent, 
or they're moving towards something. Those yeah. are the two options there. Two, um, I, I'm going. You're absolutely right because starting next year, okay, Big Ten Saturday night, the lead-in for Big Ten Saturday night will be Notre Dame's game on NBC in the afternoon, more often than not. And so, I, I'm interested to see how Notre Dame looks at that and says. I mean, it's almost kind of like you're going on a date with the Big Ten without actually being in the Big Ten mm-hmm. by having that lead-in 2.30 game on NBC be what leads into Big Ten Saturday night. And my understanding of that is that NBC is going to try to make that into what Sunday night football is for the, in the, at the NFL on NBC because we only have one game, short of if you want to put games on Peacock, but whatever. Right. We only have one game a week. We're doing the hell out of blowing out that one game a week. And they and should. If, and they should, but and they'll have the inventory to do it. And if you're Notre Dame and you want to be a part of that, and I think you do, mm-hmm. got to get in the league. And Notre Dame, or you can. And you if can Notre get, Dame were in the Big Ten, if Notre Dame yeah. were in the Big Ten, Notre Dame would be the focal point of Big Ten Saturday night, a minimum of four times a year. I I just, I, I just wonder how Notre Dame's going to look at being the lead in to Big Ten Saturday night and go, wow, that's really cool. It, it, two or three years down the line of they looking at that and going, wow, that's really cool. Yeah, I don't, I, I, are they more, are they more apt to say, you know what, let's just join the league. Do you want to be the main card or do you want to be on the undercard? I if, don't know. If you want to wear the big belt, you probably right. want to be on the main card. Hey, I, kept yeah, I, think, I, I think that that was that that's strategic by the big 10 to say, let's try to date Notre Dame as, as closely as we can to show them that we do this right. And then yep. maybe two or three years down the road, they'll go, yeah, what, you know, you, you guys are who we want to be with. Yeah, the 2024 season is just going to be fascinating on so many levels. Hey, I kept you way too long. Thanks so much for your time. Really appreciate it. And um, it's IlliniGuys.com if you want to read uh, Matthew's coverage of uh, Illinois, Luke Altmeyer, and uh, and the guys there, Brett Bielema, a lot of SEC ties there at Illinois. Matthew, thanks for the time. Not a problem. Good to see you. That was Matthew Stevens. Appreciate his time uh, today on Hand Raise, guys. This will be the Friday Oxford Exxon podcast. Wraps up a week of a lot of podcasts here at MPW Digital. I will be in Nashville on Monday to cover um, SEC Media Days. We'll have coverage throughout the week on uh, MPW Digital. Lots of content coming your way. Thanks for being a part of our week. Really appreciate you. Until uh, Monday and next time, take care. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.